Welcome everyone to episode 37 of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts and today I talked with Sean Fuller, who is a live sound engineer, musician. He plays in a band called Commoner currently and has done tour managing. He's done music directing. He's been the full-time live sound engineer for bands like Amity Affliction and Morat. Uh, absolute legend. So stoked to have him on this episode. In this episode, we talk about the benefit of saying yes to opportunities, uh, regularly evaluating your happiness levels and making sure you're in alignment with what you actually want to do in life, as well as the ability to stay calm and slow down and make efficient, smart choices. All that and heaps more. Stay tuned. Uh, if you could do us a favor and share this podcast everywhere on your socials, in conversations, if you think someone will get something out of this podcast, please share it around. We want to spread the word and, you know, get this out to as many people as possible. To stay up to date, you can hit follow or subscribe on the podcast platform that you are listening to or watching this on. And I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but if you have any suggestions or questions that you want answered, be sure to send us an email. The email link is in the show notes as well as all of the other links to any other information that might be beneficial. The email is podcast.whatsthatsound at gmail.com. Send us an email if you, want any, if you want any questions answered or if you want to suggest any guests, anything like that, send us an email. All right, let's get into it. This episode of What's That Sound with Sean Fuller. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. Welcome everyone to another episode of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts. Today I'm here with Sean Fuller. Welcome hey. to the podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. Thanks for thanks for taking the time out to oh, uh, come my and pleasure. yeah, my pleasure. get in there. Yeah. Um, now we've known each other for a while, yeah. Um, but for those that don't know who you are, yep. give us a bit of an insight as to what you do in the music industry. Okay, so I'd say my my main role at the moment is I work as front of house engineer. For the Amity Fliction and a few other different bands, a band called Blusher at the moment. But yeah, so I kind of, that's pretty much me like as work life. And yep. then obviously music being a passion, I play or sing in a band called Commoner. And then mm -hmm. I try to do as much session playing and playback yep. and that kind of stuff, you know. So it's yeah. like a. The fun shit. Yeah, the front of house <laughs> plays, pays the bills. and then yep. But I try to keep it as active with performing as well. Because that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, what got me into all this. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, um, take us back to like the start. Where did music start for you? Like where did it okay. come into? Yeah. So I grew up, you know, dad was probably a big influence on my music taste when I was a kid. You know, like I listened to heaps of, it was just ACDC and, yep. you know, like the Saints and the Sex Pistols. Oz Rock. Like, and yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Like I was a kid in prep where there was like all that, you know, we used to be able to bring in tapes you know mm, like yeah yeah and everyone would bring in s club seven and i was bringing <laughs> i remember i brought in poison or white snake <laughs> or something and my teachers being horrified That's so but good. yeah it was kind of casual interest and then in year seven picked up the guitar and just like loved it so music mm -hmm. kind of became like the pipe dream played in like uh you know like high school bands, you know, yeah, just doing yep. Blink covers and yeah, Sub 41 yeah, yeah. covers and just sweating those kind of bands. Yeah. And then joined what would be my first serious band called Brighter at Night where, is where we, we met. met. Yeah, yep. you're playing for the playbook. I and was in the spin set actually. Oh, back yeah, yeah, true, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's where we first met, but yeah. Of course, yes. yeah, yeah. Which Bassy was in the spin Bassie set too? Was in the spin yeah. Set. Yep. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at that, look at that. Um, so, yeah, did, did, did that and then thought to myself, oh, you got to be – you know, you got to be responsible, blah, blah, blah. So I thought at the time that doing this yeah. studio stuff was yeah, yeah. a, that was like a normal full-time job that people just went and worked yep. and then made Michael It's like Jackson. the first thing that came to your head sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I was like, I'll go study that. And then almost on the first day they were like, jobs don't exist. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do this, you work for yourself. And I was just like, fuck, well. <laughs> but anyway, stuck with it. So yeah. Yeah, plan was to be a studio guy and then mm. do music. But then as kind of things went along, met different bands, end up mixing 
uh, end up, you know, kind of being the vibe guitar tech for a, I mean, I was doing a little bit of live sound here and there, but I hated it because mm-hmm. I sucked. And it's just when you're not mm. good at it, it's stressful. So then, Super stressful. Yeah, kind of through a weird situation was just at a show and then the live sound guy didn't turn up and mm-hmm. mates were like, this band called Stormless Guy were like, oh, you should mix this live. And that was kind of like the first time I'd done it for, say, a band specifically rather yep. than just like being the house guy for yes, a night. Yes, yep, yep. Did that. It was on a profile which I'd never seen before mm. and it sucked. And... But they had a show the next night, so I went home, did my homework, figured out how to kind of use it, mm-hmm. and then uh, someone also became a friend, Jared Daly. He was there, so he kind of gave me a few tips, and between the homework, it kind of came off as passably <laughs> yeah. decent. You know what I mean? Passably. Like you could hear everything. Yeah, that's it. Could, it probably didn't sound good, but you could hear everything, yeah. whereas the other, yeah. So sorry, boys, about the, the first yeah. one, but we got there. <laughs> but, yeah, that ended up kind of being like – that slowly grew into like they were really growing at that point mm. and I didn't have the touring experience. So it was a great, great matchup at that time mm. and they became real good friends real quick. So I ended up mixing for them quite a bit and then um, that kind of grew to doing more like local, mm. well, you know, Australian bands like I did Ocean Grove and with confidence and yep. void of vision, you know, all kind of some, bands who are some big alternative names. Like yeah, huge. who are just smashing yeah. it yeah. now, which is good. And then yep. I got did a couple overseas bands when they came here, mm-hmm. but then oh, I couldn't even tell you what year it is. I'd kind of because I was still playing on the side. I played for a uh, pop, uh, not like alt rock band called Harbors for yep. a couple of years. But then, yeah, it kind of got to this point where I was like, oh, I'll um, I'll stop mixing because. It's not allowing me to, I'm loving it, but it's not allowing me time to, you know, be in a band, you know, yeah, playing a band, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. And then, but that's at that same time, Ocean Grove, who I was working, just kept getting cool to it. <laughs> like yeah. it was like they did download with supporting Limp Bizkit on the side shows where I'm Sick. like, yeah. okay, just it's like a no brain. I'm doing ultimate, that. Yeah. And then they did Europe with um, like festivals and Beartooth, which again, I'd, never been so I was like well obviously I'm doing anything I can to do that mm-hmm. and then they did uh Japan so it was like by then it was probably like okay cool I'm not going anywhere because this is fun mm-hmm. and then that I think it was that same year later in that year uh the job for Amity came up as well mm-hmm. and originally I was under the impression it was just going to be a temporary mm-hmm. kind of thing but then yeah ended up continuing working for them and mm-hmm. since then it's kind of been you know, them full time. And I also did, I kind of took a couple of years off that and did um, more focus, more and more rat and all day and got a bit more into like yep. playback and MD or Mons kind of, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm back to doing uh, Amity most. And I'm also working for a, a band called Blusher mm-hmm. every now and then. And then working. We've had Lauren on the podcast as well. Oh, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I'm huge. Yeah, their music's great. Oh, yeah. Really but cool. I just. Oh, I don't want to go into Zimbabwe, but I'm a fan of that band, <laughs> yeah, which is, it's, cool. yeah. yeah. So that's really fun. And then, you know, because COVID, we all had a lot of time on our mm. hands and I hadn't created for a while. So mm. I started the band with a couple of really good mates of mine, yep. um, Kian Marangos and Nicholas Hubbard, and we made a band called Commoner, yep. which listen to. Shout out. Get, yeah. Yep. Free save it or whatever, whenever this comes out, <laughs> yep. stream it, follow it, tell your mates. Yep. So, yeah, kind of singing for that. So, yeah, so now my, yeah, my time bounces between doing that, I play a little bit, uh, play bass sometimes for a band called Wayside. And, you know, when it comes up, a friend Lockie Hughes playing Storm in the Sky, I do a bit of, you know, kind of keys, playback stuff for him. And, yeah. And then, yeah, I feel like that kind of brings it to the present. Dude, it's, it's crazy. Like, and I mean, for you, it would have just happened bit by bit. But mm. when you talk about it, there's so many different pockets there. Like there's so many yeah. different lanes that some people could spend their whole life in just one of those lanes. Right. And it's yeah. like, it's so cool to not only just hear about it, cause it would be just like all these different experiences yep. and just giving you so much like to like knowledge, I guess. Yeah. And, but you know, we kind of like painted the picture now, like yep. where, like how did it kind of, I guess solidify, like where did it come into play where you were like, 
I'm 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 a sound guy now. Like I'm a yeah. See, does that make I'm, sense? Yeah, yeah. It's the hard because I still don't think of myself as I think <laughs> I am a sound guy, but I don't. I still think of myself as like oh, I'm, I'm the person who plays in bands, but mm. then I mix. Whereas really, most of my time at the moment is it career almost became what was like. Well, I really want to work in music. I love it. Mm-hmm. So it be, kind of became the path of, path of least resistance. Mm. You know, the bands I was mixing it for. Uh, were more successful mm-hmm. than the bands I was playing for. And also you have to, you know, you've got to put food on the table. Yeah, and, exactly. And I loved it. But, yeah, I would say it was – I feel like it was like – it was kind of early on when I was still playing for Brighter at Night. I remember losing my third hospitality job, I can't mm. remember, from doing tours and shit. And then yep, I was like, yep. right, well, which I realised I skipped over the whole studio section. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll, yeah, yeah, but we'll unpack it. I was like, if I don't get another job, mm. then I have to make money from music. So mm. for, I kind of was like, for me, because so often things will come up, it, it feels like to me it's not like you get this. I mean, the bigger opportunities come, but the thing that leads to those is to me it's not like, you're just doing a thing and some big wig comes in and says, you're all right, kid, come with me. Yeah. It's, it's always like. So more, uh, more organic. Just yeah, like, it'll yeah, be ma- like. Like mates of mates. and Yeah, you know. or, you know, you'll play a show and you'll be the opening band mm-hmm. and you meet someone like yourself and then mm-hmm. they call you up for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you. so I kind of was thinking then I was like, I can just force this by if I don't get another job, then I just have to make money from music. And I almost mm-hmm. looked at it as like every week I was like, well, all my friends who are gone on to do full-time careers, whatever, they're working 40 hours, whatever. Mm. So I was like, if I don't have 40 hours or whatever of work a week, I have to spend the rest of that time emailing people or writing Mm. music, just doing something that was like working, you know? It's a, it's a great attitude to have and it. It's obviously why you've got that much experience is because, you know, you, you take, you just like say yes to stuff. And, you know, if mm. someone's like, Hey, come and do this. You're like, sure. Like, let's just go yeah, and let's I think, see what happens sort of thing. Yeah. That's it. And I feel like I kind of had that eternal FOMO of like, Oh, so often, which I think was healthy at the time. But mm. It's probably, it's one of those things I've changed now, which I'm a lot happier, but mm. it, it, it like, you don't want to miss that opportunity because mm-hmm. it'd be, you know, it might not be, it's not like someone comes to you and says, like, if the live sound, oh, man, do you want to mix that Rod Laver tomorrow? Like, mm. obviously, you say yes at a halfbeat. So often it's like when you've got that other thing, it's like someone will be like, hey, do you want to mix the second band of four at the Workers' Club tonight? And then you go, oh, I mm. can't because I've got that hospo job, mm. you know, and that's kind of the right thing to do. But you're like, I have, you eventually start having to do those, mm. all those little things because you don't know which one's going to build. Yeah. To. And I think like when you're thinking like long-term, mm. you you eventually subconsciously are just like, what's better for, for my career? What's better for me as like building a recognizable brand? Yeah. Even if you're not actively thinking of it as a brand, that is what it is because, you know, I'm guessing I don't I don't have anywhere near as much live sound experience. I've done shows yep. and stuff like that, but you know, it's not like you're sitting there on socials and going, "Hey, I'm a sound person." Like, yeah, you know, it's not like that. It's it's like experience and you're in the weeds and you know you, you yeah, uh, you know, it's. I feel like, like it's- I guess from from people that don't un- understand live sound, yeah. Tell us the difference because you've done studio stuff and you've done live sound. Like what are the clear differences? Uh, for me, live sound is if I look at it emotionally, it's way more stressful but way more exciting mm-hmm. whereas studio is it takes more finesse and patience mm-hmm. but you get something rock solid at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I think live sound is awesome, exciting because it's like you either nail it and the show's sick but then – you don't get to take that with you. Yes. But if you stuff it up, it's also cool because you're like, well, it's you right. You don't take I'll that with it. you either. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's, and I think it's as you, because it is so stressful, at least for me, it was so stressful in the beginning mm. that when you get that win, you're like, oh, wow, That's it sounds what it good. look like. Yeah. yeah. And it, you get, I got that same feeling as when I'd play as, and you just mm. get that like, oh, I've done it. And you know, mm. I move my finger this much and then something massive, you know. Mm, yeah. Kind of, so, yeah, I say the big – and then practicality differences, I feel like. Studio, you can – for me at least, it's it's so much more finesse mm. and 
you know, move having the mic here versus here, mm-hmm. all those steps kind of build up where yes. live it's more like you're like, you still got to be careful and do everything right, but it's more about focusing on the end product yep. the whole time. You know what I yep. mean? It's like you can't afford to spend – if it's if the snare drum mic will sound better here than here, you don't have the time really to get – you just you get it close enough and then yep. you focus on the next thing because you've got to get that It's all about happening. speed. Like exactly, it's yeah. about being efficient and being confident enough to make snap decisions, mm-hmm. you know, and realising that – like you said, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah, and you just keep moving, and you just gotta, yeah. you know. Const- I th- I feel like the thing, and I haven't done big productions or anything like that where yeah. I don't know, but it's probably a little bit more organized with more um, experienced people. Yet there's still so many opportunities for things to fall apart really quickly. Definitely, definitely, and I think it's a big part of it too. Is that like you've got to because your gear is traveling and you're on the road and mm-hmm. stuff. It's part of it is also being aware that. Because and I feel like I have to. Look, I've got our guitar tech from Amity's really good in this. Mm. In terms of like, you know, something here is that like if you you plugged in your monitors, mm. you don't need to check if they're working before. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas every day, yeah. Even if you know, oh, that thing, you have to check yep. everything. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to check all that stuff because stuff comes unplugged, and it's almost mm. like the if you check it, it's fine. Mm. But if you don't, it almost definitely is not. You know. Mm. So I feel like yeah, that's kind yeah. of a. Yeah, you're leaving doors open for things to go wrong if you're not being yeah. super like punctual and like yeah and and you know again if you're not prepared and if you're kind of just letting things happen again you you're just allowing the possibility for things to go wrong way more yeah. than if you're someone that's prepared rocking up two hours early than you even need to be yeah. or I don't know but I'm just guessing because, no no you're, you're spot yeah. on I think for me you know someone who's got you know is a pretty hefty case of time blindness that was one thing I feel like mm. has helped me is at least for some reason it's like so many of the things that cause me difficulty in my outside life it's like because mm. I you're just forced to put those things as, as in you're forced to make sure you've got plenty of time get everything happening because if you don't it just like things mm. can compound and go mm-hmm. yep and things going wrong is not an option because at the same time it's like with the show you still have to do the show like yes you, you can't be the reason the show doesn't go ahead. Like yeah. it's literally not an option, you know. Yeah, totally. Well, talk us through, you know, some of the people that have taught you some of the things that you hold now as being like the holy grail of like live sound, I guess, or just like live productions. You know, what are some of the things that, yeah, like that you can think of and go, I do this every single time and it's because of that person or whatever? Oh, okay. So uh early in storm the sky one one thing is parallel compression Mm -hmm. i feel like that took my drums up and there was was either a guy was either ronnie gardner Mm -hmm. who's you know shout out ronnie gardner he's a fantastic engineer he does uh, i think he does jelly roll at the moment he's used to do good charlotte yeah i think it was him who showed me and Mm so i was just mixing storm the sky and and they were supporting sleeping with sirens and he kind of just showed me this way to just process the drums where if you kind of don't, if you don't know and it's you, you've got, you know, you might have your compressors on your channel as per normal when you kick in and kick out, but then you send them via a bus or a group to another channel that mm-hmm. you just smash the shit out mm, of. Like you just, yeah. you just, and so him, I feel like he really on that tour really did, showed me that and took kind of just really was, you know, he'd listen to my mixes and he was really encouraging and he wasn't being like, that sucks, but mm. it was just like he was, um, really good and then just being like well this is what i'm doing and Mm -hmm. my show sounds good and this is what you're doing and then kind of showed me the differences Mm -hmm. and there was another guy brian which i feel awful i've forgotten his name uh, his last name but Mm -hmm. same thing he was mixing beartooth and we came as Mm -hmm. romans and um yeah he again showed me just a lot of stuff in terms Mm -hmm. of like how i gate things Mm -hmm. and yeah that kind of thing. Cause I think I, when I started, I think a lot of people fall into it. It's like, once you pull a good sound mm. at first, you just start going in like, Oh, well, I know a compressor sounds good at 30 milliseconds attack, yeah. 80 release. And then, so you're like, well, that's good drum sound. And then you do that. But it then it doesn't work. Some, some, yeah. Nights. And it's like most of the time it works, but if it doesn't, 
you're like, oh, well, it's just a bad whatever. Right. So I think working both of those, watching those guys, is that I feel like I kind of slowly learnt more. It's less mm. about what the dial say and more listening to how mm. it sounds. So, yeah. Yeah, and then I think um, trying to think in more more recent years, you know, I, f- I feel like so often when I do Brian – Campbell, that was who I was talking about earlier. <laughs> Sweet. So, so often in recent years I've, you know, I usually bring a console around and I mm. it's I always love when I'll do a tour with another engineer who may, is mixing the band after us or before us yep. and you're on the same console because you learn all these things. Sure, like yeah. did a tour with Silverstein recently. There's a guy named Jake what Katz. Band, man. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. <laughs> and we, I loved that tour because we had such a different style of mixing mm-hmm. but I loved what how my mixes sounded but I loved how his mixes mm. sounded and it was cool to kind of swap, mm-hmm. you know, being like, oh, how did you achieve yeah, that? You know, like yeah. I route stuff differently now. I remember wanting to be like, I don't, I don't know if you do it in the studio, but I used to always like, it's like my kicks stuff would hit a group and my snare would hit a group, but then mm-hmm. that goes straight to uh, the left, right, as does the vocals, as does the right, guitars right. and stuff. Whereas at least when I do a studio thing, I like all the instruments going into a bus mm-hmm. and then the vocals going into a bus mm-hmm. and then them hitting the master. Mm. And me and I remember kind of describing that to Jake and him being like, Oh, you could do it this way. We end up doing mm-hmm. it with matrixes and stuff, and that was sick. Yeah, yeah. It'd be so cool to like. I, I think more so live because because of that instant gratification. Mm. Studio, like you were saying with studio stuff, it's like you're playing a, a longer game. You're playing like um, incremental changes that all add up to the end picture. Yeah. You know, like you said, you're moving a, a microphone a millimeter or not a millimeter, a centimeter yeah, or something yeah. like that. Or, you know, like you said, you're routing things a certain way. And for me, I know I know what I'm listening for so I know the choices I'm making when I'm recording, yep. setting up mics and on drum kits and things like that. Um, and I know that it's going to eventually come together into this big picture and it's hard for the artists that I'm working with to see necessarily – um, right from the start because it's like, oh, that individual mic sounds like shit, but then right. it's like, just wait, it's going to be yeah. sick because I know all the stuff that I'm going to do yeah, later to get yep. it to sound like a full song. Yep. Live, you don't have that option. It's just like you know, setting things up, you know yeah. the re- reliable places that you're placing the mic, you know the mics that you're choosing, you, you're setting it up. Like you said, you've got your desks yep. that you know how to use in certain ways and things like that. Yep. And um, I feel like... I don't really know where I was going with this, but I think the the um the studio comparison to live is is that it's like playing the the long term game in the studio. Yep. It's instantly visible. Oh, what I was going to say is like seeing how someone does routing or something a specific yep. way instantly it would click in live because you can yep. see the instant effect of something yep. doing a thing a certain way. Whereas in studio, yeah. it's harder to see that. Yeah, it's harder to go, it. yeah, I can put things in a bus, but it still sounds like the same drum sound. Yeah. Whereas like, you know. Yeah. yeah, I feel like little things make big differences. I think thankfully one of the things, you know, where you touched on it there with you have to throw and go, I think one thing that's awesome with, you know, particularly digital consoles and things getting mm. so smaller that if you work for the one artist and using the same mics every day and mm. the same console every day, you all of a sudden do start to get that input, you know, mm. about starting to tailor the sound mm-hmm. coming even before it gets to you, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. a big one I've noticed is guitar sounds. Is it like, sure, you it's, you probably get this with every instrument, but guitar, a tone that sounds awesome by itself or in the studio, like, yeah, that rips, almost doesn't sound good in a mix. It's mm. almost like a good guitar tone in a mix is not always going to sound super satisfying mm-hmm. by itself because it's got to fit that space. So true. And uh, the the thing I think of is like, yeah, like if everything's good, then nothing's good. Or if everything's special, then nothing's yeah, special. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. it all cramps and it all packs on top yeah. of each other and there's no detail in anything because mm-hmm. everything is amazing. And that's a, a, a trap that a lot of people fall into in the early stages of mixing is it's like, mixing things in solo and taking the yep. time to get that pristine guitar sound or yep. making a snare slam. It's like in the context of the mix, you've just muddied everything up because it's just like squashing yeah. everything or whatever. Yeah, that, That's one of the biggest things I've loved recently about is 
like the console I use at the moment, the Allen and Heath D Live, mm-hmm. makes. I mean, there's a lot of consoles that you can do a virtual sound check, like almost every digital one now. But mm-hmm. they make it makes it really, really easy. And all of a sudden, it means that because it used to be like, you know, when you do a sound check, you check the kick, mm-hmm. you check the snare, mm-hmm. and so you are mixing everything to sound the best that can be individually. Whereas now, all of a sudden, with a virtual sound check, you're playing. Kind of, if if you haven't seen that before, it's when you like you record your previous night's show directly just after the head amps, you mm-hmm, know, so mm-hmm, none of the mm-hmm. EQ compression and stuff. And then the next day during sound check, you're playing those recordings back in. Sweet. Yeah. So it means that all of a sudden you're allowed to, instead of just, I mean, you still work on your individual instruments, mm-hmm. but you can check everything as a whole mm. and be like, does my guitar tone sound good in the mix rather than mm. EQ everything in the mix rather than EQing it and then kind of pulling it all together. And so like when you're, you know, pulling a sound from a different night, yeah. do, how much does the the different environment change things? Because I'm guessing you're using the same microphones, yeah. the same drum it's, kits potentially, you know. So it depends on how big the rooms are on the mm-hmm. tour, you know, but – it's like for drums at least the rooms mm-hmm. have to be massive before you getting consistency you know for it's for some reason it depends how the snare reverberates yes. the big the biggest one is the snare and the cymbals mm-hmm. particularly in heavier music mm-hmm. is that those are the ones some days you know you might do 1000 cap or even 2000 cap room mm. that you're turning off the yeah, cymbal yeah you don't mics. even have to have it in the mix yeah yep, yep. because they're just so overpowering mm-hmm. and then other days if the room, you know, hopefully the room's really dead, you're really having to dial them in. So or I think, like open air festivals and stuff. Yeah. Symbols just disappear. And, and like, that's it. Yeah. I think for a lot of things, like particularly if you're using digital, you know, like Kempers or Helixes or whatever, mm-hmm. that stuff's pretty consistent. Yeah. And then if you've got a loud vocalist, mm-hmm. that's consistent. But yep. the things that are inconsistent, that really the room changes stuff for me at least is the drums. Mm-hmm. And if you have a quieter vocalist, because often – if you've got a vocalist who is um, – they're just not putting out as much noise, mm. the room plays more into it and then sometimes you're even just battling yep. physics, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like there's mm-hmm. only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, say drum, drums and vocals are the biggest ones yep. and consequently they're the ones that like if they don't sound good, nothing else matters, mm. you know what I mean? It's not enough to have them just sound good but if they don't sound good, it doesn't matter if you have the best guitar tone in the world. Mm-hmm. Like those – have to be good first. You yeah. Know? I love it. I want to talk through more like, you know, cause it's, I think it, the thing that's lacking is the understanding of the Australian music industry because we see so much of, uh, you know, the overseas stuff, U S yep. and UK there and, and Europe, I guess they're the biggest yep. music markets. Sure. Talk us through, you know, the Australian music industry and how, navigating that might be different and I know you haven't like grown up doing sound in the States or anything like that but do you have a like a kind of like is there a generic roadmap? I know there's not in because people like different things but if say someone's listening to this and they're like I really want to go into the live music industry, yeah, talk us through what that might look like. So I feel like that my – it feels like there's two kind of – ways that it seems mm-hmm. like most people do yep. it either they get the the real practical knowledge mm-hmm. and then they go through the the wave they'll be work at a venue mm. or they will go work at a production company mm. and i think that's awesome because you get all the fundamentals mm. out mm. of the way and then working you know you might go work for a big production company or work at a venue and then one night you'll kill it as the house guy because a lot of bands you know until they're you know, making the income, they can't afford to bring their own engineer. So you'll be the person. So you mix so many different bands Mm -hmm. and so many different singers or acts or whatever. And that's Mm -hmm. awesome because you learn how everything works and you've also got to be the person who's fixing everything, Mm. you know. So that's the part. That's not the path I did, but I feel like, oh, so, yeah, finishing that is that from there you might get an artist who comes through Mm -hmm. and you kill it and then you become their person. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. Again, if that's your goal, I know a lot of awesome sound engineers don't, don't want to be mm-hmm. the touring mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. But like that for me was kind of the goal. Like I wanted to be sure. part of work for an artist. So for me, the I was on the other side instead of working on 
uh, for production companies and stuff, I worked for bands. So it was, I, it was probably because of your background in, you know, being in bands and yeah, well, that knowing was, that lifestyle already. Yeah. And that was my network. To, like, yeah. Cause I came up playing in artists. Mm. I didn't know anyone who worked at production companies. So mm. I wouldn't have known, mm. Oh, I can send an email to JPJ and work in their warehouse and I can learn some skills from them. You know, I was just like, Oh, well, I'll just give this a go. And I think mm. a lot of it's like, you can't, I think live sounds it's tricky because you shouldn't take on something if you don't aren't confident you can do it mm. because then you're kind of risking a band's performance. However, you've also sometimes got to jump a little bit before you're yeah. confident. Yep. So, yeah, I guess in, in short it would be, you know, learn the tricks of the trade. I think uh, maybe a one part for me was uh, seeing bands just I liked mm. and things and seeing who – did sound for them and then hitting mm. up that person saying, Hey, can I come shadow you? Watch mm. they mm. watch what they do and you learn a little bit, but almost you just learn for me the things I learned from that was almost the the manner in which to succeed isn't like you can't be stressed. You've got to keep it cool yeah. when it's stressed. Yep. Yep. And then on the other end, you look and see there'll be a point, and I'm always in two minds, there'll be a point in your career, or at least for me, that it's like you might be in a position where your skill set, a full-time professional band, mm. your skill set maybe is not at a level that you could charge a full day. Mm -hmm. But then you'll also mm -hmm. get bands who aren't or singers who a sound person would be really helpful for them, mm. but they don't have the budget yet mm -hmm. to pace. So I think it's cool to find those people where you can kind of join up together. And a good way is that, you know, if there's, it's just looking at local venues, like seeing who's playing yeah, at the workers yeah. seeing, and just saying, hey, I saw you're supporting so-and-so on this show. Mm -hmm. I'd love to come down mm -hmm. and yep. mix your band. And then I think it's always important to be paid something, mm. but usually at that level there's a there's a way that you can find the mutually beneficial amount, mm. you know, the amount that's still valuing your time but also, you, you know what I mean, kind of yeah. finding that middle ground. Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link, paypal.me slash what's that sound. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it. Well, I think, and you know... We talk about it heaps is the, the network, the networking side of things comes into play so much with the pathways that you can take. Yeah. And obviously you having been in bands and tours and, yep. and, and stuff like that early would have really, you know, we know people like coach who's working with a lot yep. of bands and, you know, just people like that in the industry that. Just saying his name brings a smile to my face. Yeah. <laughs> Love coach. He, he was Shout around for a lot of, lot, and he's obviously still around, but yeah. a, a lot of my kind of come up, mm. he was in the van with yeah, me. Yeah. Like I feel like I kind of hear his voice. Totally. You know, you know and I mean? but but it's people like that that you know are like irreplaceable. But it's yep. it's 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 also the the actual networking side of things when it comes to you know being in a band and stuff like that. And definitely people that aren't in bands, you can be a sound person. Like yeah, you don't even have to have musical talent. That's you know, it, and yeah. and but the networking side of stuff navigates you because you can lean on people. And when you don't know people, it's really difficult. So. Like you said, just, you know, introducing yourself to people and, and yep. going to gigs and just 100%. being around that. Just, yeah. yeah. I, th I think that's a big, and I almost sometimes now when I think about other jobs, I find it weird that it's not like that. Like, it's like if you wanted to be, I find it crazy <laughs> that if you wanted to be a teacher, Mm. that you don't hit up a teacher near you and be like, can I come in and just see what you do for two weeks? Plumber. You know what I mean? Can I just watch you plumb for a bit? Yeah, but that's like, I feel like surely you'd want to do I mean, that yeah. because then you got to study for four years and then, yeah, then you yeah. find if you like the job. So, yeah, yeah I reckon yeah, you probably hit yeah. the nutshell. It's like if I was to make it as unconvoluted as possible, mm. it would just be going to shows, mm. talking to people. Mm. And I think as long as you're polite and respectful of their time, because sometimes, you know, sometimes you go to a show and – Whoever's working it, it'll be a stressful day and they can't chat. Mm. But inevitably, I feel like most people, oh, sorry, mm. most people, it's like if you're keen and excited about it, mm. the reason they're doing the role you'd hope is because they're keen and excited mm. about it too. Mm. So they're going to want to chat to you, you know? Yeah. So I think it's pretty easy to see. 
Yeah. It's like it's easy to see one, the the kids who are keen. Yeah. Um, and it's also easy to see the the people that aren't jaded and fucking don't want to just exactly, be, be yeah. a dick to you. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty easy to see that, but that's also, you need to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. You know, if someone's busy and they can't talk, that doesn't mean they're being a dick. Yeah. But you need to pay attention to those sorts of social cues as well. And that's probably way harder and way uh, more to actually understand and unpack being in a live environment where there's so many moving parts. Yeah. Studio, there's five people maximum. Yeah. You know, there's like one sound engineer, maybe a producer. (laughs) <laughs> like sure. there's yeah. just so there's not as much to navigate there's there's only that experience that you can get but like in a yeah. live environment there's so many people yeah and it can be stress and i think too one thing it's touring world but particularly australia if you're doing an australian tour the show finishes what like 11 11 30 mm. whatever you're almost always on a tour not getting your eight hours mm. nine hours mm. sleep so mm-hmm. i think it compounds that sometimes not that it's an excuse. I feel like you should always be nice, mm, but sometimes mm. people don't. Your social skills aren't as on point when you're on four mm-hmm. hours sleep and you're yep, stressed. Totally, and stuff. totally. But yeah, I think overall it's just like talking to people because most people at some point when they can will be happy mm. to chat. Or even if they're not, you just ask the next person there because you don't need you don't need a hundred opportunities. Mm. You know what I mean? You only need a f- couple. Mm. So if you go up to 50 whatever it takes 50 sound people and just chat to them mm. you're not going to connect with all of them but you totally. will just connect with a couple yep and they'll hopefully be willing to share their knowledge mm. and then it kind of just and progresses it, from it, there and i think you the more that you can be open to saying to yourself it's probably not going to work out with any of these people having that kind of awareness of like this is rare that it that it's probably going to work. I think that's kind of somewhat yeah. of a good mentality, not not being like I'm not going to succeed, but yep. more so that because it's so hard to click with someone on such a level yeah. that their workflow or you know the style of music that they like, yep. all these little pieces, it's very rare that 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 would click. So to find that in someone is is awesome. Yeah, I think yeah. too. That's one of those things that I, like when we studied sound is that they spoke really a lot about the networking and mm. like my music industry class, even like school, mm. you spoke a lot about the networking. And initially I thought it was like, Oh, so you just find someone, mm. you know, you think, Oh, I want to, I want to work in the studio. And mm. I know Stu has a studio. So you mm. go and you'd be like, Hey Stu, mm. I'd like to come work in your studio. And that's the network. Whereas I realized later on, I think the networking for it to really work, it to a degree has to be mutually beneficial, but it also mm. has to be a person, at least in music it has to be a personal connection. Mm. I think so often it can't be enough that's that it's like, oh, well, you're, mm. I don't know. You're working with that band or something. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, you're working with that band. Uh, and we're going to be work- mates. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And then I think, you know, going with like the, not the thinking you're going to fail thing, but it's almost, it's like just, it's just, it's almost like numbers, you know. It's mm, like when you're trying to say really if, you, if you don't have a full month or full year of bookings and you want to fill it out, mm. there's nothing stopping you from emailing mm. yep. 50 band manager or 50 yep. bands or whatever because, again, you don't need 50 to say yes. If you say Correct. 50 say yes, you're in a pickle. You only need yeah. a couple, yeah. you know, and I think as yep. your if it's your goal to work for uh, – you know, an artist, mm. like folks on a couple of us, the, the client base you need becomes smaller and mm. smaller, you mm-hmm. know, like you don't need to be working for a mm. hundred bands. So yeah, it just, it seems like, yeah, chatting to people and just trying as many people as mm. you can, you know, yep. not letting it being discouraging. If you go to talk to Metallica sound person and they don't want to chat to you, <laughs> don't let that discourage you from yeah. talking, even yeah. talking to ACDC sound person, you yeah. know what I mean? Like just yeah, totally. try everyone because yeah. there will people will and I, I get pumped i feel like i learn so much when someone comes and asks me a quick they'll be like oh what are you doing with this and that and then i'll go oh what am what i, am doing I? With this? <laughs> or, all instinct yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, then, or yeah. you'll explain it to them and you realize oh that's right that is a good idea or you explain it realize oh that was just fixing another pro- i should you know what i mean yeah, like, i, I feel could like, do this a better way yeah 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 yeah, yeah, so, yeah i love it and yeah. I, I think i mean so one thing that I'm really getting out of this podcast is just hearing all the the different approaches because 
you, you can't everyone's different everyone yep. approaches things in different ways everyone reacts sure. differently and and that sort of thing so one of the great things that i love is experiencing the way other people do things because yep. i might want to do it a different way. Yeah. But just seeing that and being like, that is a possibility. Yeah. It's awesome. That's it's, it. It just I, broadens your landscape so much more. Yeah. And that's, I think that's how you get better is it like, mm. is seeing what other engineers do. And mm. it might even be the smallest thing or it might be a massive thing. And, mm. you know, like, for example, if you say you get someone else's show file, if you just use their show file, it's not going to sound good. But often you you know you might watch someone mixing and be like oh they're doing that thing with the kick and then mm. you'll bring that in and find that works great with what mm. I do with awesome. the guitars you know so yeah, it's like sick. yeah picking up everyone's skills yeah tell us uh, about you know the other side of the the things that you do you know the creative side of things you know you know songwriting and music and yep. and you know you've been in the studio in the past as yep. well you know what what is appealing about that side of things for you and and oh. Dude, that's such a hard because I feel like sometimes I ask myself that. But I think <laughs> for me, writing and performing music in particular, for me, I think the appeal is just having a an outlet to express myself. You mm. know, like I feel like, you know, I don't hide from the fact that you know, like I, you know, deal with a you know, my mental health issues, you know, mm. won't say more or less, it's just I, you know, that's something I deal with. And as I think a lot of people attracted to music do for some reason, mm. I'm not, but I think being in a band playing, even when I was just playing guitar, playing bass, it just gives you this, this moment, this window to kind of express mm. yourself. And I think writing songs is like that too. It's like, uh, for me, not only like I, I'm relatively new to being a singer, so writing the lyrics and the melody is obviously it's a very almost literal way to express yourself. Mm. But for some reason, even when playing guitar, playing bass or keys or whatever, it still gave me that feeling. Mm. So I, th I think that's, that's what... It's allowing yourself to be vulnerable because in, in life there's yeah. not very many opportunities for you to get deep and, you know, unless you have someone that you can really trust. and Yeah, and it's and almost it, like... It's a different still because it's an expression. It's like, and, you know, people find ways to express themselves in in different avenues but music is there's, there's something like deep about it yeah because it's based on our whole life's experience i don't yeah, know yeah i just i think yeah. it's one of those things that anyone who's played in a band and enjoyed it can agree on it there's just something about it that just feels good you know mm. what i mean like i mm. always just i get that like if i have a really long or hard day you know whether it's like writing music or practicing or something you get that you come away with that dopamine feeling and that satisfaction mm. feeling because it's just something about maybe even connecting with the other people you're playing with or mm. performing with yep. that kind of it all feels good and you don't mm -hmm. uh, yeah, at least i don't know the people i play with you couldn't put it oh it feels good because of a b and c it's just yeah, an yeah. enjoyable thing to do yeah yeah i even think the musicians who you know i feel like the more successful they get, the more they do it. Sometimes people end up taking it for granted or get a bit jaded, mm. but you can tell they still enjoy it. If they have a good show or a bad show, they're still enjoying the mm -hmm. playing. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think there's many people, there are some, but I don't think there's many people who are doing it just because it's a job, you know? And I think probably the other part of it is that it's physical, you know, oh, you know yeah. in, in art, yeah, there's not, too many physical art, dance, yep. dance is one, yep. music. There's not heaps where it's a full body, physical, yeah. mental, everything stimulated. Yeah, it's a yeah. bit of like you're both your logical brain and creative brain are going mm. and then, yeah, depending on your instrument, depending mm -hmm. on how much you move. And I think particularly performing the bands I've always played in, you know, I've done a bit of pop stuff where it's mm -hmm. more about really just folk but so often – you know, playing in your pop punk, your hardcore, your mm -hmm. rock bands, a big part of it is putting on a big mm. rock yes. show. Yeah. Which is moving around, going yeah. nuts, like <laughs> yeah. throwing your neck out. Yeah. You, you, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, particularly yeah. when, you know, in the earlier, like your 2011, 2012, like that, that and below, that almost to me, and still is what defines a good band, is that if they're going they're performing it and it's mm -hmm. not enough to just go out and play mm -hmm. your instruments because if I wanted to listen to that, I could just yep. listen to your CD. It's yep. about – so I think 
because I value that doing that. So you get mm. that, you get sweaty and you get, you know, you rock, you know, yeah. like it's, it's visceral. Yeah. I think it's rocking. Yeah. It's like, it, it, yeah, again, it's like the, the sound, I mean, it's, it, this is probably what uh, the other side of being attracted to being a live sound person or, you know, working yep. in the live music industry is because of that experience. It's like, you can't get that yeah. from, you can get similar feelings from being in a studio, like, but it's not, nothing's the same. As yeah, like and a, I think it's, it's a, a different life. type of yeah. You know, I feel like if you're more attracted to the songwriting part of being in a band, mm-hmm. maybe being in the studio is going to more. Whereas for me, I enjoy songwriting, but mm-hmm. my favorite part about being in a band is performing. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, honestly, it's like I would. Yep. If someone said to me tomorrow, ah, oh, I don't know, ACDC need a, a rhythm guitarist or something, yeah, I'd yeah. be like. I'd love to do that, but honestly, can I just be the session player? You yeah, know I, mean? I don't yeah. want to be in the band. I just want to play. Yeah, you know, yeah. So that's what you're like looking to to do more of now. Uh, I think so. I think it's just I I feel like COVID really put things in perspective for mm-hmm. me, and that it mm-hmm. it made me. I think I probably wasn't always pos as positive as I should have been about what I get to do. I took it for granted, mm. definitely, and I always thought, oh, you know, I'm loving touring, but I want to play as well. Mm. COVID made me realize how much I love mm. what I do in terms yeah. of the the touring, the mixing, the, the whole thing about it. I, mm. I really enjoy it. And I think that's something that if you get a, if you manage to get a job like that, that also you can sustain yourself. Mm. Yeah. You, you don't want to let that go. Mm-hmm. However, the other side of COVID made me realize, because none of this stuff is sure, everything can go away in a second, mm-hmm. that you don't, despite, you don't need to let yourself get put in a box, you know, just mm. because everyone's like, oh, you're a sound guy or you're a sound person or whatever. You, you, you don't have, you can do whatever you want, yeah. you know? So I, I'm kind of like, I'm going to keep, keep following mixing cause I like it. And I, I like to think I'm good at it, you mm-hmm. know, so it's has that satisfaction, but also I love performing. So mm. I want to, you know, essentially being self-employed, I want to pursue those roles, both as mm. being as a, a creative like in playing in my own band but also you know in the sphere of you know maybe playing for other people particularly because I think the way so much live performance is going is that it's it's rare you see a band now that's just playing with amps and I hope mm. I'm not ruining mm. anything so but it's <laughs> rare that it's just I think most people know these yeah, days yeah. it's <laughs> honestly it's shocking when you see a band not playing to a click track and mm. with all that stuff mm. that comes into it I feel like I've kind of seen there's a way for me to combine my technical knowledge mm. with being able to play as well because often it's yep. like well if you're playing in a band usually your skill set's spent on that so you have to pay someone to come in mm. and do your in-ears or yeah yep yeah make your playback session whereas because i've been for because of enjoyment i've pursued both those sides yeah, of things yeah. i'm kind of trying to pick up more jobs where i do that but i think as well i you know th- I, th- I do know and i think it's important that like this is an important discussion and yep. it's an important thing for people that maybe have been doing it for five to 10 years and have felt that like similar feelings to you where it's like, yeah, just do it. Like, this is just what I do. People can go on autopilot. They can cruise along, especially if they're busy. You know, if you're successful in especially a live environment where it's like, you know, tours can happen at any time in the year. You can go to different countries. All this, all of these different things that add up to you being busy for a lot of the time and just not having time to yourself. Like you were telling me before we started the podcast, it was like, you've got all this shit that you have to sort out before you go on tour again. That's it. That's, that's, that, that just happens. Life happens. You've got to pay the bills, all that sort of stuff. So it's really important that we do take the time to evaluate and say, what do I actually want to be doing? And how do I spend time in getting that to be part of my life now. You know, and I think it's one of those, it's like you can, it's not, I think music's good and it's not like if you want to, I've never started a coffee shop, but if you want to start a (laughs) coffee shop, really you kind of can't be doing, you've got to go buy the Mm, machine and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. I think with music because it's so often freelance is that there's no one, at least I'm not going to tour 12 months a year, you'd die. You know, you just couldn't do it. So you get time in between and you kind of, you are your own boss to a degree so you can spend uh, your time how you like. So I think Mm. that's one thing I've just really thought about more and more and gone like, well, what do I enjoy doing? Mm. And then that's 
how I'm going to spend my time. And, you know, it's, it's within reason, you know, I can't just go to the mm. beach every day, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. like I'm more mean as I'm like, well, if I think to myself, well, I'm loving doing my live sound, but maybe when I get home from tour, I'll focus on the other thing I love doing and see if I can make mm. some work from that. Cause if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if it does mm-hmm. awesome, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can do both. Cause even, you know, even within live sound, like I mainly do front of house, but sometimes you will get, you won't say no if someone says, hey, do you want to do monitors? Mm. Or, hey, do you want to, t-? I mean, I try not to TM. I don't, I just, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Like it's, yeah, I don't, I don't personally enjoy it. But, you know, yeah, you do hard, those multiple dude. roles. So there's no reason I at least see of why you can't step and do something else, you know, yeah. like, yeah, I know I'm a, you know, I know I can play guitar. I yeah. know I can yep. play. So, and I know I can run a playback session or do monitors, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm and like, it's, it's I think the hard thing for most people that can't take that time to pivot yeah. is probably they, it's, it's fear. It's like, yeah, I oh. won't get this opportunity again, or That's I will it. turn people off from picking me because they don't think I'm reliable or something like that. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. I think it's one thing I have to be aware of. Cause even though it's like, I'm not a brand, I, I, it's like, it feels to me, it's like every person in the music industry, some kind has their kind of mm. personal brand that mm. they're known for, particularly, you know, so that, and they think, so I think it's still important to, for me at least to not be like, Oh, I don't do mm. X, Y, and mm. Z anymore. Mm. But it's more, I think for me, it's like, I'm still do sound. I still do it to a mm. professional level, but, and I will continue to do so, but it's also, it's like, I want to do this as well. So if there's people who could utilize that combination of skill sets, mm. then hopefully there'll be more work in that realm as well. Yep. Cause yep. you can do, but, and it is applicable, you know, even like the stuff I've learned from, doing playback and mm-hmm. doing, uh, you know, working on arrangements and just live sound stuff work like as a player in my own band and other bands mm-hmm. has translated really well to front of house mixing. Cause all mm-hmm. of a sudden I used to only think about everything from microphone onwards. Whereas now I realize what you can and can't do with playback and what you can and can't do with like a Kemper and stuff. All of a sudden, mm. instead of saying to someone, can you make this better? I can say, oh, actually I did this. Can we try this thing? You know? Mm. So I feel like doing both sides of the thing is really helpful because then yeah. you're not stuck in what's possible in one or the other. It's, it's again, you're just kind of giving yourself more opportunities. Yeah. And like you said, you know, if you're doing guitar teching, if you're doing monitors even, you're, yeah. you're going to be learning stuff about the monitor like setup yep. that you wouldn't have learned if you were only doing front of house. Oh, I, mean, I don't yeah. know how many people d- don't know both. but Yeah, but it's, it's yeah. definitely, I think as you get further into it, it's way more of a different skill set. Mm. It's, al- it's almost like... And how you treat the artist and exactly, how you talk yeah. to the artist, what their needs are. It's like yep. you're addressing a different part of that performance or that, that yeah. big picture. That's it. And and it's, yeah. yeah, it's a completely different like way you – I think, f- yeah, monitors versus front of house. Like you have mm. to almost get in a different mindset. I remember mm. when I first – because I feel like you start off with your – oh, I'm going to burp. <laughs> um, when you maybe you're mixing your smaller artists, you're never mm. really doing front of house and monitors. Mm. But mm. once you get big – go on to bigger artists or bigger shows, they'll have a separate person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so my first instinct is the front of, coming from the front of house thing. It was like, oh, well, I'll mix them on like that. I'll just make it sound sick. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what... They don't want that. No, no. You, <laughs> yeah. It's not about yeah. making practical mixes. Yeah. A, I feel like you're dealing with physics way more. If, like if you've got wedges, yeah, totally. you have to just think about... Because if you don't, you're going to get feedback and whatnot. Yeah. But B, you have to think about everything in terms of like, usability first. Well, you don't want the sounds listening. to blend into each other. No, like, do no. You? you want like, I want to be able to hear that vocal. Like, yeah. And even <laughs> and as that a, has to stand out. Like, yeah, yeah. Even like I find that as I'm playing as I'm like, I had this the other day, I was playing, I was playing bass uh, and I was, cause we've got, we mix our own ears as well. Like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. so, and I pulled up my mix that I'd used a few shows ago and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm like, the guitars aren't that vibey. It's like, I just want to hear more everything and mm. stuff. So you start bringing everything in and you're like, oh, well, if I make this sound good, mm. bass guitar is not that prominent in mm. a mix. Mm. So all of a sudden I'm not focusing on my stuff. And I was like, wait, now you have to really pull it back. Like you still have, I still like to have a bit of everything in there, but mm. you mm. have to have that bass guitar and that click track loud. And I think when doing monitors, 
it's that same thing you have to yeah. realize. Because I used to get frustrated. They'd be like, oh, these modern mixes sound shit, but I can't change them because the artist. But then you realize, oh, it's not my job to make something that's creatively nice. It's to set, make something that allows that artist to perform the best they can. Love it. That's awesome, man. Well, um, you know, one of the one of the things I like to do every podcast is to get, you know, one of you or maybe one or two of your favorite bits of advice or the first thing that comes to your head, first of all, for engineers or people that want to be engineers. Yep. And then secondly, for artists that might be listening in as well. Mm. Oh, that's hard. One of my favorite. For engineers, I feel like it's, it's do your best and practice keeping a cool head because I think no matter what size, you know, how much money the artist has, what size – uh, production you're running, things will go wrong. I saw, I won't say which, but I saw a absolutely humongous mm -hmm. heavy band in Germany a few months ago mm -hmm. and they've got a fantastic, everyone on their team is awesome. They've got all the fantastic gear, like everything that you could prepare for, they prepared for. And then on that day, uh, their front of house console just didn't work. Wow. And I think if you were, if, it's very you would get stressed from that but as soon as you get into that stressful emotional mindset mm. you can't uh you can't solve the problems correctly yep. it's, at the end of the day you've just got to solve the problem so i yeah, think it's yeah. like you've got to practice keeping a cool head to make sure you've got to be you know still on top of it you can't just be easy breezy but it's like you're not going to be able to solve a problem effectively if you're just in stress zone you know you've got to the cortisol levels affect yeah. the way our brains are That's able to it. make decisions. Yeah. Even it's, it's a, like it's a correlation. It's like a yeah. Clear, yeah. And if you know like something's mm -hmm. going wrong, it's always better for me at least to take five or ten seconds to mm. think about it. Because it's so easy to get into that mindset of you're like, oh no, uh, you know, you, say you've got a keys player, it's got six different keys mm. and one of them's not working or things are showing up. So easy to get in that like, oh, I'm just gonna pull out all the cables and then just manually trace them and, and you're like, oh, that's not the most time. It's like, <laughs> no. but if you think about it for 10 seconds, you go, oh, okay, the Nord's showing up where the Moog should. So let's just swap those and change one thing at a yes. time, you know, yeah. Yeah. to fix a problem, you know. Mm. And then. And it's hard, I guess, the, the, the difficulty is that that stuff comes with experience. But if you start small and, you know, say, the earliest thing that you could probably encounter in a live situation is feedback. Like that's probably yeah. the first yeah. negative thing that can happen exactly. that's as the a biggest first time one, yeah. sound engineer, right? You know, yeah. even long-term sound engineer, but it's, it's like, okay, where could the feedback be coming from? Yeah. What am I seeing here? And I, I had this thing when I was doing sound once where I, I had a monitor up like really loud yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know if I did it or it was already there. Yeah. And I got this real weird bass feedback hum thing. Yeah. I was like, where the fuck's that coming from? Couldn't figure it out. Turned down all my, turned down all of the levels. Turned yeah. down, And then I, I turned off the amp because it wasn't solved. And then I came back and I, the, the monitor knob was up. And I was like, for sure. So yeah, 100%. But yeah. something like that where if I had stopped and just thought about it, like you said, yeah. Probably could have looked at all the knobs and you're like, oh, that one's really yeah. Hard. Oh, yeah. And I think that's one thing. It's like I think when a show's going, it's different in that you've really got to – you've got to solve things the quickest you can even if it's not the mm. best. You know, for example, say your vocal, it's just feeding back and it's not stopping. Sometimes mm -hmm. muting that temporarily to give yourself a moment to think so the band keeps – sometimes that's a solve. Mm. But I think one thing – I used to do is it like I used to feel as a sound person, it had to sound good straight away. Mm. Whereas when you, I think when you've got that time to sound check, line check or something, don't mm. be afraid to like, if something is feeding back and you don't know what it is, rather than just stopping it, find it, even if it gets a little bit worse mm. and, you know. Mm. Mm. But get, that's, you yeah, know, it's a smart, it's a smart way to approach it because you're yeah. not killing the show or whatever. Like you yeah. said, you know, you can't, the show can't stop. Yeah, it just it. has to keep going, and so yeah, yeah. Taking taking that time, I love that. That's great. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah, take the time and just mm. you obviously can't take forever, but just thinking about stuff mm -hmm. too, because it often the issue will show itself, and so mm. often things going wrong, they're rarely a super complicated problem. I've had a couple mm -hmm. which just upset you endlessly, but so often it's something silly, like mm -hmm. something's unplugged or something's 
routed wrong mm-hmm. or someone's tripped on a cable, you know, yeah, stuff like yeah. that, you yeah. know. Yep. Love it. And then for artists? So I'd say my – I feel like being on both sides of the fence, mm. for artists on the come up, I feel like just making sure to appreciate the the people, the crew and stuff that are working for you and really make sure you enjoy – the journey along. Cause I think it's like, I think it's, you've got to go into it thinking, you know, I'm going to make the most of this, but the reality is that I know how many awesome bands that everything was correct. Mm. Not all of them will make it. No, I think, or make it, I think you getting to whatever your predefined goal is will not necessarily get there. Sometimes that'll happen. So I think for artists on the come up, being aware to make sure that the whole process you're doing you are enjoying it because if you're not, mm, yeah. it's not worth it. And you'll get to the end of your five or ten years and go, what a waste of time. I'm a failure. Whereas if you play in your band and you do well and you enjoy it the whole time and then maybe you're not playing Rod Laver at the end of it or the forum or whatever your goal mm. is but you enjoyed it and you still got to do things, you're going to look back and go, that was awesome. I'm mm. so glad I did that. Yeah. And then I reckon for artists – who are you know they've they've broken through they've made that career is making sure to appreciate what you have and if you don't you know you might release an album that gets you to here and then and this is from this is from me an outsider looking because i haven't Mm. released an album that's got me Mm. any type of mainstream success or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like i but i often see i feel like i see successful artists Mm. they'll sell out the, the big venue in the mm, city, mm. they'll sell, they'll get X amount on the charts or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the next thing they br- bring out might be not as good. All of a sudden they're selling less tickets or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think so often people go into this like, oh, I'm a failure now, my career's mm-hmm. over, it's dying. Whereas it's I think, dictating their... Yeah, where I yeah. think at the end of the day, for me at least, I kind of see an artist, you know, if you look at artists as a business, if they're selling tickets or people are still listening, then you're still doing well. Your career is still mm, there. It's not mm, over, you know. Yeah. I think, And I think so many people, even on the like get stuck in this, if you're not growing constantly, you're failing, where I mm. think it's you've really got to make sure that if you're having any manner of success, you're enjoying it for what it is, mm. you know, like. Yeah. Because you're fortunate, you know. I think we know how extremely competitive the live music industry is. Mm. If you're in a position where you're sustaining self or whatever it is, make sure to enjoy it because, yeah, you know, that's the whole reason why we do it. That's if you're it. not enjoying it, then just go be, get a boring office job and make yep. a, a, not that, you know, and make a gajillion dollars doing that, you yep, know. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing to add is that like you're just gaining experience. Yeah. You know, who says that you deserve anything? No one. No one deserves yeah. anything. You're right. Yeah. Just so, so obviously enjoying the experience is, you know, it's all the journey. It's all part of it. We're 100%. all we're all just like having these experiences. And who says that you might not prefer to play to a thousand cap venue instead of you know a huge fucking yeah. festival or so? Like, there's no rules. There just yeah. isn't. And you might find that your fan base resonates better at something compared to something else. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's at the end of the day, it is, it's just enjoy what you've got. Cause yeah, you could enjoy. be doing some fucking shit stuff out there. Yeah. You could be like. doing way worse. And it's like, it's also, <laughs> you also may not want to do it forever, even if you do mm-hmm. succeed. So I think it's just, you've really got to make sure, you know, if you're not enjoying doing it, it's not worth doing. Cause that's the other thing too. I think you see, you, you know, your classic jaded musician or sound person mm. or whatever, it's the reason they get like that is because maybe they hit this point they're not enjoying mm-hmm. it. And it's like if you're not enjoying it, take time off. Yeah. Come back, go do something else and you'll either A, go do something else and realise, oh, I'm so glad I got out of that mm-hmm. and then you'll find what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Or B, you'll go, oh, now that was actually awesome and you'll come back and you'll love it. You you'll know? have a new Which appreciation I think that's what for it. Yeah. COVID did to a lot of us. You know, mm-hmm. we a lot of us had to go – we had to – we're forced to give it up. Yes. So then I, I know a lot of people – left which was really sad in terms of like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but all those who came back to me at least it feels like so many people are more energized yeah. now because they're like i didn't have to come back to this i mm. came back by choice and i'm doing mm. it because i love it so let's enjoy yep. it you know That's awesome man 
Thank you, dude. Oh, my this pleasure. Has been Thanks awesome. for having me. Um, if anyone wants to like get in touch with you and just uh, for whatever reason, yep. where, how can they find you? Uh, you know, just drop me an email. Like it's just my name, Sean Fuller at live.com or get at me on social media. Or, check out Commoner. Yeah, check out Commoner. Mainly do that actually. Just <laughs> check out Commoner first. But yeah, just, you know, look, yep. look me up on social media, send me an email or if we're at a show or something, just come chat to me. Like awesome. I'm always happy to chat. Love it. And, you know, if anyone wants to learn and I'm where you are, if you can come, I will. You know, I'm happy Sick. to make it happen because that's how I learn, you know. Love it. Well, yeah. Awesome. Thank you again, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And thank you to everyone for checking us out. Um, love and appreciation, nothing but. But, um, you know, if you could do us a favor and share this podcast on all your socials, spread the word to a friend that might get something out of this. We want to we wanna showcase all the amazing uh, talent in Australia. And uh, if you want to stay in touch, uh, hit follow or subscribe on the platform. You'll get all the new episodes as they come out. Um, and I haven't said this before, but, and I can't believe I haven't, but you know, we have an email address in the show notes. If you have any suggestions or questions or anything that, or any people that you want to hear on the podcast, hit me up in the, in the emails. I, I haven't said that before and I can't believe it's yeah. like it's the first time we're on episode 37. So Hit us up if you have anything that you want to uh, uh, get in touch about. But, yeah, we'll see you next time on What's That Sound. Thank you again. Thanks. Listen to the playbook. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.